Uh, well, good morning, everyone. How's this, Kirill? Yep. Good morning. You guys like my shirt? Yep. I, I like it. I like it. I, um, it's a gift from a friend. I feel like this is, this is God loving me, okay? I, I see these Nigerian brothers coming in week in, week out, wearing these, these fancy, elegant clothes, and I'm going, man, you look good. But I have no idea where to shop for Nigerian menswear. And then one brother in the congregation got put on his heart to bless us with these shirts. And I, yeah, I love it. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. <laughs> you know, this morning uh, as we were in worship, I was just reminded of the fact that, that Christianity and relationship with Jesus Christ is not a burden. Amen? It's not. It's not a work. Amen? It, it, is, it is a blessing. It is a blessing because Jesus has done the work for us. Are you with me? He did a perfect work on the cross for every single one of us so that I don't need to come in here on a Sunday morning and work myself into his presence. Are you with me? I, I, don't, I don't need to, to, to fight to come to God because he came to us. And what he has for us, he says his yoke is easy, his burden is light, his promise to every single one of us is peace and joy in his kingdom, amen? What I need to do, the only work for you and me is to believe. The work is to believe in what he's already done and the fact that he has already made a way and the fact that everything that is his is now mine because I am in him. Wow, I'm just, I'm just so thankful. Oh, I'm so thankful. Wow, Jesus, you are so good. Wow. Uh, as I mentioned the last time I preached, and I don't really want to talk about myself too much, but this really fits into the, into the message. Um, over the summer, I turned 40. And uh, as, yeah, yeah. And as, uh, you, don't, you don't have to clap, it's okay really. And uh, as uh, um, my, my wife and, and a number of friends threw me a surprise birthday party, uh, and it was awesome. It was definitely a surprise. We went out for dinner together at this nice restaurant, and I thoroughly enjoyed our time together. I enjoyed the food. The food was great. The company was even better. The service was terrible. It, it, was, it was bad. I, I, I can't think of a time where we've had worse service. Uh, but now, to be fair to the, to the girl that was, that was serving us, there was a, a bigger group of us towards the end of an evening, and I think for the most part, she was serving us on, on her own, okay? So I felt, I felt bad for this lady, right? But it was like, there, were, there was at least three times where she came out to check different people's orders, and by the time that the food came out, there were still orders that were wrong, okay? There was issues with, with the bill, and, and, you know, like, she was just frazzled. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there. Look, what really challenged me and blessed me at the same time and made me go, this is why I love hanging out with these people, is because while I'm sitting at the table feeling bad for this girl, 
just feeling really bad for her and trying to be like super kind and compassionate towards her, you know, and, and, and trying not to complain with the other people at the table. I look over at one point in the evening and she's standing on the side, tears coming down her face. Okay? Not just because maybe she was having a rough night, but because a couple of my friends were over there prophesying over her, sharing the gospel with her, and inviting this girl to get baptized. And I was just like, Jesus, this, this is awesome. What a, what a birthday present. What a birthday present, you know? And it just so touched my heart. And, and it really challenged me at the same time because I realized for each one of us, God is always at work in our lives, right? God is always on the move. His spirit is in us. He is moving. He goes before us. He is with us. He has plans for our lives. He has great things in store for each one of us that he has purposed for us to do. Are you with me? But, the, but, but we, we aren't always aware of it, Right? We don't always live with a sense of expectancy that he is at work. And sometimes we're just focused on us and our agenda and what we're doing and we completely miss what God is about in the room. The challenge for each one of us as believers is to recognize that he is at work, that he is looking to use us and to make ourselves available to him, to surrender to his Holy Spirit and allow him to lead and guide us in loving and leading others to him. Yeah. You know, over the, over the past month or so, we've been talking about making disciples, and we've been referencing the Great Commission time and again. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, where it says, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the Great Commission. We believe it, Right? We, we know what we've been commissioned for. This is what we're called to as followers of Jesus. We're to carry on his mission and see disciples uh, made to the ends of the earth. My question for us this morning is this. What are we, what are we doing about it? How, how are we going after this? Uh, what does it look like in our own everyday life? This is a huge Commission. This is a huge mission to disciple nations, right? This is massive, but, but what's my part in it? You know, James has been talking about this vision that God gave him of, of uh, a million disciples in the next 11 years. That we would see a million disciples in the next 11 years. I think that's what he said. Yeah, right? Right? Now, I don't know about you, but for me, it, can, it sounds kind of overwhelming. It sounds uh, hardly realistic, maybe even a little bit unbelievable, if I'm honest, right? But, but, but how many know that's what God's calls sound like? That's what his commissions are supposed to be. Things that we look at and go, impossible. I, I, I can never do this. Because we're not supposed to do it without him. He is the God of relationship. And he's looking for partners. Yeah? We can't do this without him. You know, and, and 
but, but I want us to, to step back from the million and, and, and see where we are today and go, what's my part in it now? And how, how are we going to, to get to that point? And I really believe that the way that we're going to see a million disciples in the next 11 years is like this. One at a time. One at a time. The title of my message for today is All for One. One at a time. And I want to take a moment to look at Jesus' example uh, in the Word, in the Gospels. You know, oftentimes Jesus spoke to the crowds, right? He, he didn't ignore the crowd. He addressed the crowd. He had compassion on the crowd. He cared for the crowd. At times he fed the entire crowd. Right? He cared about them. But time and again, as I look through the Gospels, I see Jesus stopping for the one. He's looking for the one, right? Here's the scripture that, that I absolutely love, and I'm sure I've talked about it before, but we're going to briefly look at it again. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 32. Now, normally I start a little bit later than this, but I was struck by this as I read it this past week, where in verse 32, it says, They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. Okay, They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. And later on, it says in verse 46, Then they came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging, And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So as many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. Did you get that? Jesus stopped and said, call him. And so they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. And throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. What strikes me about this passage is that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. You know why he's on his way to Jerusalem? He's on his way to Jerusalem to, one, celebrate the Passover with his disciples. But ultimately, the reason why he's going to Jerusalem is to die. Is to die for every single one of us. With the, with the weight of the sin of the world on his shoulders, to take the punishment for our sin to the cross and to die in our place. That's his mission. Pretty big deal. And yet, in the midst of that, en route to Jerusalem, the Bible says that as this blind Barnabas guy is calling out to Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me, he stopped. He stopped. And this really, this really challenges me and blesses me because for me, you know, as I'm going about my, my day, typically, I, I'm, I, you know, if I have something that I am doing and I'm focused on, I'm focused on that, and I'm not really great at, at changing course, not really aware oftentimes of the things that are going on around me or, or of what God is looking to do in the moment, right? It's like shopping, okay? The way I shop is I, I have something that I need to get, okay? 
And I, so I know what I'm, I'm going to get. I know where I'm going to get it. And then I go out and I get that thing. And I come home. Right? The, the only reason why I, I, I stop or I, I slow down at points is because maybe my kids are with me and they've convinced me to, to go to Walmart to look at the toy section. We're hanging out and looking at toys, and that's fun, right? Or if not my kids, it's because my wife is with me and <laughs> the way that she shops is different than I do. <laughs> You know, it's just, it's how, it's how I do things, right? I, I've, got, I've got an agenda. I've got something that I'm about, and I'm going out, and I'm doing that thing, right? I can imagine all the more so Jesus as he lives in perfect obedience to the will of his Father, right? He is laser-focused on what he has came to do, right? And yet, even in that place, he's aware of the Spirit of God at work, and he's, he recognizes and is willing to stop for the one. It's amazing. And we see this again and again throughout his life and his ministry. I mean, think of all the examples. The woman at the well in Samaria. The man with the legion of demons. The woman with the, the issue of bleeding for 12 years. The kids whose parents brought them to Jesus for a blessing. Zacchaeus hanging out in a sycamore tree. Right? Jesus was more than willing to stop for the one. Time and again we see him going after the one. And he says this in Matthew 18 verses 12 to 14. He says, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, Will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about the one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Not one. Not one. And I really believe that God has one for us. All of us, for each one of us, he has one. He has that one person that he, that I'm sure he's got more than that, but at least one person in our lives that he is placing in our path, that he is calling us to love and to be an example to of who he is in such a way that they would be drawn into relationship with him for themselves. He's got one for us. Do you believe it? That's, that's how this is going to, to be accomplished. One at a time, as each one of us begins to recognize what our part is in this great commission. That it's not just for a few anointed ones, but each one of us has been anointed and called by God and has the Spirit of God within us and is leading us to that one that He has placed in our lives that we have relationship with. It starts with the one. And the beautiful thing about it is that oftentimes we're not going to need to go out of our way to find that one. We're not. We're actually probably going to have to go out of our way to not find that one, right? Like I think about the story of the Good Samaritan that Jesus tells to this, this lawyer who's like, you know, what, what is the greatest commandment and who is my neighbor, right? And, and how Jesus says of the priest and the, and the Levite that they had to walk by, pass by on the other side. 
They had to get out of the way not to minister to the one. And God will so lead you that he will place people directly in your path where you're actually going to have to get out of the way to not minister to them. I believe it. He is setting us up. As we see uh, in, in Scripture time and again, and, and, and here's, here's another example. Jesus ministering to the one. I think about somebody like uh, uh, the, the man with uh, the, the legion of demons. In, in Mark chapter 5, Jesus, Jesus heals him and he frees him of the, these demons. And, and then he calls him and he, he commissions him. And while this man, it says uh, in verse 18, he begged to go with Jesus. He begged that he might go with Jesus after Jesus had freed him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, how he's had mercy on you. The Bible says, so the man went, went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. The point is God wants to use us where we are right now. There's a reason he's placed us where we are. There's a reason he's connected us with the people that he's, he's connected us with, right? Those relationships, those people in our lives who don't yet know him, whether they might be family or neighbors or friends or coworkers, those are the people that God is placing in our path that he's going to use us to love and lead to him. Are you with me? That's what he says to this man who's radically encountered Jesus. No, 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 don't come with me. Don't just stay here, you know, enjoying your time with me. There is a call on your life to go, go home. That word home is the word oikos. And it doesn't mean yogurt, okay? I like yogurt. I like Greek yogurt a lot. And, uh, but what it means is, is home or household, it can mean a, a dwelling or a, 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 a house, if you will. But, you know, in English, in English, household refers to, you know, your nuclear family. In Greek, it's so much bigger than that, right? It's, it's in reference to, to family and extended family, to, to your relatives, neighbors, coworkers, close friends, or people that you regularly come in contact with. That's this word oikos, and what we see time and again in Scripture is God calling people into homes, into the, back to their oikos, to minister His love and His grace and share His good news. It's the same thing that happens with, with uh, Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. As uh, Peter is called to go to go with Cornelius to his house, and the Bible says in Acts chapter ten that Cornelius had invited his friends and his family and his close friends with him, right? And as Peter comes and he shares the good news, they are baptized in the Holy Spirit, right? And it's in the home, and it's with his family and his close friends. Let me ask you today, as we think about this call. Of, of a million people in the next 11 years, who is your oikos? Where is your oikos? Where are those people that God has placed in your life who don't yet know him, who you have relationship with and I do not? Those are the people that he's calling you to. 
Those are the people that he's calling you to reach. And let me tell you, if that sounds exhausting, if it sounds like a burden, then the place to start is this. The place to start is in you spending time with Jesus for yourself, in you being with him for yourself, because out of that place of of, of this demonized guy being set free and encountering Jesus, man, he couldn't help but share of who Jesus was and what he'd done. For Cornelius, Cornelius knew him. Cornelius spent time daily in prayer and giving gifts to the poor. And the angel of the Lord showed up in his house. And he said, I've heard your prayers. I've seen your gifts to the poor. Right? He knew, he knew the Lord for himself. And when we know Jesus, when we know his love for us, when we've experienced that for ourselves, man, what it does in us is it begins to stir a heart for others to know him as well. We don't want to keep it to ourselves. This is too good just for me. And I begin to recognize that Jesus didn't just die for me. He died for them. He died for them. Those are the ones that he loves just as much as he does me. And he longs for them to know him. And so I would just encourage you, if as we talk about this thing of of a million disciples in the next 11 years, and you're going, oh, I don't even know where to begin. I'll tell you a great place to start. If you're, not, if you're not in a place where you're being encouraged to grow in your walk with God, if you're not in a place right now of, of having people around you to encourage you and challenge you and hold you accountable and lift you up in following Jesus with all your heart, start there. There's all kinds of, of, of things that we have going on right now that you can be involved in. I'm not just talking to people in this room. I'm talking to you online as well. Things like Alpha. Melania's going to shoot me because Alpha's already, like, there's a lot of people that are coming there. But if you don't yet know Jesus, or Jesus is, is someone that, that you're just starting to get to know, and you don't have a good grasp of the found, foundations of our faith, start with Alpha. We're only three weeks in. You can still join today. All right? And you can talk to Melania about that. If you're not part of a life group right now, or you're newer to the community, hang out with my wife and I on Tuesday nights. We're at the office from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m., and, and we're, we're there encouraging one another in our faith, going through the foundations of what, what is it that we believe and what's the next step for us in terms of our walk with, with Christ, ultimately to send you out in making disciples, right? Or if Tuesday, I mean, just one more plug for Tuesday night. For all those of you that are uh, couples that have kids and you're going, you know, I can't remember the last time we had a date night. I know that maybe coming to the launch group isn't quite a date night, but it is a break from your kids because we have childcare. We even have childcare. All right? So if you want to join the launch group, you can talk to me or talk to my wife. We would love to journey with you and to encourage you in your faith. Uh, a number of weeks ago, we had the life group leaders up here. If you're not part of a life group and all, all you're doing right now is coming on a Sunday, why not get plugged into our community? Why not get into a place and take that next step of growing in your faith in Jesus and getting around people who are hungry and passionate about him? Because I'll tell you what will happen. It will rub off. It will stir your heart and you'll find yourself in a place going, okay, where's my oikos? Who is it? Who is that person looking to share Jesus and looking to be a light and his love wherever you go? That's the place to start, being with him. And that's when Jesus calls his disciples, that's, that's where he starts, that he might, they might be with him and that he might send them out. Start there.
But for those of us that are, that are plugged into group, that are, are, are looking for opportunities to, to share and looking for that one person, I want to give you a couple, uh, just three suggestions really quickly of, of ways that you can, you can go after the one. Um, three things really quickly. Number one, I would say invest. If you want to reach the one that God has for you, invest. Invest in relationship, okay? Uh, whether it be a, a family member, a friend, a neighbor, co-worker, uh, more than likely, the way people are going to come to know Christ is through relationship. It's through somebody that they know. Uh, these are American statistics, but I know that uh, Luis Palau, uh, who's an evangelist, he did, his, his group did research and they found that 75% of those who come to Christ do so through relationship, through the relationship of a, of a saved friend, relative, or, or co-worker. Even more so, the Institute of American Church Growth had found that 90% of 14,000 people that they surveyed came to Christ through a friend or a relative, or somebody that already knew him. God moves through relationships. He's the God of relationship. And if we're to have relationship with other people, what that requires is an investment. An investment of our our time, right? That we would show up, and we would show up consistently. So what does that look like for you in your life? If you're to make room for the one, what does it look like for you to invest in the relationships of, with your coworkers or with your, your friends or your, your family members? There's probably things that we're going to have to say no to in order that we're able to do that. It starts with, with intentionality, with us slowing down and, and making room for the one. It also starts with prayer. A great place to start is, is along with showing up and, and just loving the people that God places in our lives. Pray for them. Ask God, God, who is my one? Who is that person that you would have me disciple? That you would have, have, have me share uh, the hope that I have in Christ Jesus with? And, th- and then just begin to pray for them. Make a, make a point of praying for them regularly. Invest in relationship and prayer for that one person. Secondly, inform. Inform. I mean, hopefully, hopefully, first and foremost, they come to see Jesus Christ in you before they hear about him through you. Are you with me? That they would experience his love, and not just his love, but his peace and his joy through your life long before you you even have to say anything about him, where they're asking questions to you about why are you the way that you are? Right, But at some point, don't hesitate to share the good news of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Be prepared to do that. If He is your hope, if He is your life, He's going to come up in conversation. Amen? Don't shy away from that. Look for opportunities to share of the hope that you have and to inform others about this, this God that you know. Don't worry about what you don't know. You know, I think sometimes we're scared to share with others because we're like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't know how, how to. I don't know what, what exactly to say. Well, how has God changed your life? Who do you know him to be? How have you experienced him for yourself? Start there. 
And thirdly, invite. Invite. I, you know, I was just, you look at scripture and different examples of, of invitation. I think about like Philip's encouragement to Nathaniel or the Samaritan woman's encouragement to her village. It's through their invitation that they come to know Jesus. It could start with an invitation to grab a coffee or to come over for dinner. It could be an invitation to, to, to share your story or, or a testimony with the person. It could be an invitation to prayer where you're offering to pray for them for something. It could be an invitation for them to receive Jesus. It could be an invitation for them to come on a Sunday or to come to Alpha or something like that. Oftentimes, I've lived out of a place of looking at my neighbor and going, ah, they're probably not open. They're probably not interested right now. If I actually share with them or if I invite them, they're probably going to reject me. But we really have no idea where people are at until we share. And regardless, in the depths of their heart, their deepest longing. Every single one of us is crying out for God. So I just encourage you to, to take that step in inviting. I was in a conversation uh, a couple weeks ago with a, uh, a lady who connected with our church, uh, who's looking for a church community, a middle-aged woman who uh, said that her neighbor gave her a prayer journal when she was 12. When she was 12, just a, a prayer journal, she started to go, go through that, right? And, and ultimately found God. There was a, um, a guy that I had the privilege of meeting with on a number of occasions this week who came to Alpha for the first time last week Sunday. And the reason he came to Alpha is because someone in our congregation took the time to stop and to recognize God is at work in my workplace and invited the guy to come. We, we never know. We never know. It starts with a simple invitation. We have a part to play, every single one of us. Let's just close with this. Um, in Alpha, one of the stories that Nikki Gumbel shares is the story of Albert McMacken. Albert McMacken, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but he gave his life to Christ when he was 24 years old. He was a farmer. And uh, when he gave his life to, to Christ, he was so touched by God and so, so uh, in love with Jesus that he wanted everybody to know. And so he began to invite his, his friends and his family and to load up his truck to go to church, uh, to, to go to these, these gospel meetings. And, and there was one, uh, one boy in the community that he especially wanted to invite, but this boy was, was far too busy uh, going after girls. Uh, and so one day Albert had this idea of, you know, I think I could get him to come to church if I let him dri drive the truck. Uh, and so sure enough, this boy decided to come along because he got to drive the truck and uh, was touched by God. And in a few days, he had given his life to Christ. That boy God used to lead an estimated 2.2 million people to Christ. And the name of that guy was Billy Graham. You may not be a Billy Graham. God may not call you 
or use you to reach 2.2 million people. I firmly believe he could. You know, and and his, his heart is that not one would perish. Right? But every single one of us can be that Albert McMacken. That, that, that one that recognizes those people that God has placed within our lives, our oikos, so that one person that, that he has highlighted, that is open, that is hungry, that is looking for a Savior, that is in need right now, we can invite them. We can come alongside them. We can invest in a relationship with them. We can, we can share the hope that we have with Christ Jesus to them. Right? Every single one of us is called to and, and, is, and is part of that. And I just want to encourage us in that. And so as we close today, I want you to think about this. Who is your one? Who is your one for this year? Right? God wants to use each one of us to reach one person this year. No doubt. Who is that one? Maybe, maybe you don't know right now. Maybe you do. But I want to encourage you to invest in that relationship, to invest in prayer, to expect and to be aware of the fact that God is at work in our world, that the harvest is plentiful, and that he wants to use us now for the glory of his name. Would you guys stand with me for a moment? And as we close, uh, could, could, we, could we maybe just take a few minutes to pray for the person next to us? And would you, could we just take a, a few minutes to just, just pray for them that God would give them boldness and compassion and love and that he would use them in their everyday life to reach others for him, okay? That if they don't know they're, they're one right now, that he'd highlight that person to them, but that he would, he would use us in reaching that one. Can we just take some time to pray for one another? And then I'll close this off in prayer, yeah? Okay. So just introduce, maybe you don't know your neighbor. It's a great opportunity to get to know them. Just say hi. Find somebody you can pray for. Let's take a moment to pray.
And just as we're finishing up, I'm just going to pray for us. Yeah, feel free to continue to pray amongst yourselves. Father God, I thank you for your call on our lives. Jesus, you said you will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that you have poured out in our hearts. Thank you that we are, we are your dwelling place, Holy Spirit, and that you empower us to go and make disciples, which isn't just once in a while, but everywhere that we go, as we're going, we are your witnesses to your grace and your mercy, to your good news and to your hope that we have. I pray that you would fill us with boldness, Jesus, that you would increase our awareness of your spirit at work in the lives of the people around us, O oh God. God, may you help us to take the focus off of ourselves and to put it on you, that we would live for you and you alone, that we would recognize what our part is and where you're at work and that we would say yes to you. Even now, we say yes to you. Thank you for the harvest that's coming in this year, O oh Lord. Thank you, O oh God, for the lives that are forever being changed through the people in this room, O oh God, as you send them out and you use them, O oh God, in the places that you have them right now. Thank you for the hearts that are being opened and unlocked right now, for the eyes that are being opened to, the, to you, Jesus, as the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you, O oh God, for, for this, this, this honor, this privilege of partnering with you and of how you go before us in it. We're so grateful, Lord, for all that you've done. And we love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Greg, for the amazing message. We are all ready to go. Um, just before you leave, guys, continue with the fellowship over some cookies and coffee. And don't forget to pick up your kids. We'll see you guys back on Sunday next week. Have a great week. Thank you. Bless you.